We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 314 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and making his Barcelona Podcast debut is one of the fastest risers on, I guess, say the Barca Twitter community, and that is Neil Gardner. How's it going today, Neil? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Absolute pleasure. Very happy. So, Neil, he's here for the same reason that all of our listeners are today. We, unfortunately, as we're recording this, and because you should probably hear this, maybe, before it's completely official, but while Ferran Torres is not yet officially an FC Barcelona player, I think you can already buy his jersey in the team store, so it seems like it'll be dusted, done and dusted by the time you get this in your ears, but Ferran Torres, that's our main topic today. We've got a few other things at the end of the show, but are you ready to go, Ferran Torres, Neil? I am a huge, huge fan of this signing, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I I just hope it comes official as soon as possible, because I think um, Barcelona were after him in 2019 as well, if I'm not wrong, I think. Um, but he ended up going to City. And, and ever since then, I've been obsessed with Fern. Like, I'm like, I hope we sign him one day. And then this river popped up and, and everything just happened so quickly. So, yeah, hopefully we don't mess this one up as well. Well, I think the first thing you got to address is the thing that so many people are saying, how is Barcelona affording him? And yeah. it's actually a pretty simple answer. And that is that it's looking like it's a 55 million euro transfer with add-ons. That's the amount but it's only something like 5.5 million will be on the books this season due to amortization. And what we're already seeing, and I think part of the delay of this transfer in this last day where his medical seem all right, even though he'll be out for a few more weeks with getting up to speed with that broken foot, still the, the number that we're actually seeing is only an issue if Barcelona cannot move salary off their books to register him with La Liga, which that window opens up January 3rd. Fortunately, Danny Ave is only taking 1,000 a week, uh, 100,000 rather a week. It makes it a little easier for Barcelona to deal with. Uh, but yeah, until they move on from likely Yusuf Demir and maybe some other names we'll talk about later on in the show, uh, it's just whether or not you can get him in that salary cap. But it seems like the club know that they can get him there. Uh, and there is a belief that they should be able to get him there by January 3rd. But Still, I understand where people worried about, again, the short term and the long term, but it seems like this money is not something that Barcelona should worry too much about when can when putting that against how good of a player he is and how different I think this signing is than Coutinho and Dembele and even Art, uh, Art Tehran, where this is a player for fit and a player that should be worth his weight in Euros. Yeah, 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think that this is a different sort of deal. And I think it makes sense with what Xavi is trying to do. And I feel like he's had full um, influence over this signing as well, which is very important if we're going to better imagine a long term. Um, the thing with Fern is that kind of separates him from Dembele and, and um, Coutinho, especially actually, is that he is very versatile, but also good in that versatility. From what I've seen, a very, very aggressive runner into space, which is very important when you have players dragging defenders out. So he will attack that space. And what we've seen is he's not only comfortable playing on the left and right of the flanks, but also through the middle, especially for Luis Enrique and for, for Pep Guardiola. So I think that we're going to see a really, really improved front three with him through the middle and with Dembele's fit and Ansu alongside them. So I think that I'm super excited for that one in particular. Yeah. Well, yeah, you tease a little bit about where we'll see him with Barca. I want to almost answer that last. Before we do that, I want to talk yeah. about kind of what excited you about him leading up to this point. And for Ferran Torres so far, you said, obviously his big thing is his movement off the ball. Yes, mm. he's been on the ball, but his movement off the ball is, I think, and I think what many people have agreed will, would be his, what would make him a difference maker at FC Barcelona. But when you said you were excited by Ferran Torres, are there any performances in particular where matches mm. you saw or yeah, even particular movements from time with mm. City or even Valencia or Spain that made you excited for this? this kind of signing? With Stern, um, I think it's a mixture of everything. I, in particular, have been very interested and fascinated with his development. In Valencia, when I, when I used to watch him, he seemed like a very creative play, taking players on, creative, a lot of key passes, assists. And then when he moved to City, we saw him deployed in a different type of role through the middle. And his finishing surprised me a lot because He's been very, very clinical for City and even for Spain, I think 12 goals in 22 appearances. So what that kind of tells me is that he has a bit of everything in his skill set. You know, you can ask him to stay wide, take on players, create chances, but also act as that central focal point in the middle. And I think that sort of um, versatility, but also good versatility. You know, he's not like a Sergio Roberto type of player. You just chuck him anyway and he'll do the job. He's actually good at doing what he does in that front line. So that in particular is what would make him a very, very um, important player for Barcelona in mind. Well, he alone is a 0.34 expected goals percentage, which puts him in a pretty high percentile in terms of yeah. when he puts a boot on his, or when he puts his boot on a ball, it generally goes in the back of the net. It's generally on net. <laughs> and that's, that's <laughs> an important yeah. note too, that he's not just taking shots, but he's taking shots in important spots. His movement in the box is something that Pep Guardiola has praised before. Yeah, and it's interesting that he has played a different role depending on the team he's in, a different role. And he's still only 21. So it should be mentioned, of the goals we're talking about him scoring, it's not like he's but Barcelona bring in some kind of goal machine. He has 26 total goals, but he is only 21. Five of those coming in two different games. And the two games, I think people are saying best case scenario when you're circling what he could be for Barcelona. I think the first game you look at is that brace against Arsenal back in August. It was a 5-0 win for Man City. Arsenal, to start the year, were not ready to begin the Premier League at that point. But I believe yeah, it was the second goal was a header, and the first one was just some, some really good movement around, uh, around that Man City attack, which obviously has so many dangerous weapons that you, have, you can't really double anybody as much as you'd like to. But the, the game that really excites me the most about what is possible and, and what this could be regardless of the fit at Barcelona um, with his other teammates, you know, cause again, we're going to get there about what kind of permutations you want to talk about 
The hat trick against Germany back in November of 2020 with Spain, I think is, is complete best case scenario. It's a big one for me. Now, I think in that game, it looked positionally on the heat map like he was playing as a false nine. He was really that right winger next to Alvaro Morata. So, I mean, he basically did the job that Ferran Jukla has been doing for Barcelona in the last two matches, except at an elite level in terms of his movement off the ball. So, as I said, against Germany, he was kind of coming off that right wing with Morata in the middle. So it's a little bit of a different wrinkle where you'd say, oh, where's Dembele to that? But but for Ferran Torres, most important about that match was the way he was not only creating space, but finding space. And I think his ability to find open space. And therefore, I mean, one of the best players in that match too happened to be Gabi. If you ever heard of it, Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, it was Pedri. It was 2020. Yeah, Pedri. Yeah, it had to be Pedri. Right. So it was Pedri actually getting into that space back in 2020. If Gabi and Ferran Torres recently for Spain, I think that was against Kosovo. Gabi was able to run into that space for Ferran. And I think those kind of combinations and how well they already work together being Pedri and Gabi with Ferran, those are the bright spots where I say, okay, well, if you have somebody like De Young or Nico or Gabi or Pedri all understanding to go into that space, as opposed to, and here's the big difference where Ferran can create that space. Those players can run into it and then they can deliver that final ball to whoever those other two forwards may be, Memphis or Ansu or Dembele, as opposed to where now when De Jong or when Nico, when they make those runs into the box, they're expected to become the goal scoring threat. And they're expected to get on the end of that cross or on the end of that long through ball from Busquets. They're expected to put the ball in the back of the net as opposed to just using their runs to create that movement up in the box for one of the other goal scorers. Or, I mean, there is no poacher other than Martin Brothwaite on the, on the squad. Yeah, completely agree. Also, one thing that stood out in particular was his connection with Pedri in the, in the uh, Euros. I think that with Pedri playing and, and players like Fern and Ansu attacking the space, it really gives Pedri and Gavi that extra bit of creative freedom to actually find those players. So, you know, I just I feel like I'm going on about how optimistic I am about this Barcelona side. But with those creative midfielders that Barcelona have finally got from Vidal and Paulinho to actually competent creative profiles in the midfield, with players like Ansu and um, Fern up front, I think is going to make a huge difference. And that's why I have been such a huge advocate of this deal. Where do you think he's going to fit then? And I, I think the real question will hmm. be for Memphis. Yeah, I think that it depends, obviously, on the fitness of Dembele and, and Memphis's availability as well. But personally, my go-to front three would be Ansu, Fern and Dembele. Ferran is a false nine, um, or just a nine, depending on how Javi wants to play. And um, Ansu and um, Dembele, uh, either side of him. But the thing is, you can also sort of switch that because Ferran and Ansu could routinely interchange positions because they're well adapted, both playing centrally or on either side of the flanks. So I think it'll be a very fluid um, front line. I think I tweeted about this as well. And that's what I'm excited to see. You can also add Memphis to that equation and perhaps play Ferran on the right. Memphis through the middle and Ansu on the left, again, entertaining positions. But yeah, that would be my go-to front three for now. But we also have to see how it kind of bodes together. Because I think after we watch Ferran for a few games, we get a better idea of how he's adapting to the squad and how Xavi wants to kind of assemble the pieces around him. But yeah, for now, that's what I'd say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, I mean, he is right-footed, so he does play a bit as an inverted winger on the right side. However, he's pretty adept with using both feet. Not necessarily Dembele level, who is, I would say, arguably has the best weak foot maybe in the world. I mean, that's how good his, his actual other foot is because he doesn't really have another foot. But as far as Ferentor's ability to both dribble with his right and then also be willing to try to get by with his left, it's it, the key to, to understanding that is seeing when he receives the ball, which foot does he usually receive with? And he actually receives with both. It's like 55 or 60 right foot to left foot. But still, that allows him to do multiple things when, or, when, when he gets to that touchline. It is telling to me that when he played and under Guardiola for a little bit as that winger, when he first arrived the city, 
that he really did hug the touchline with that positional play. And as he got a little more, uh, I mean, as that transition on Guardiola, it turned him into a number nine, even though he was signed as a winger. Then you saw he basically did kind of change his position into a number nine and uh, both a false nine and as a striker, really depending on the uh, on the situation, depending on whether the other team was in a low block or a medium block. And those are all positive signs, I think, of where he could play and his versatility. And you said about the difference between he and Sergio Roberto, that versatility. I, I think that versatility for I mean, going back to his Valencia days under Albert Saledas, as well as Marcelino, where he could play on the left, he could play on the right because, again, he's good with both feet. And I could see that, uh, I mean, yes, I think on paper, we think Ansu on the left, Ferran Torres in the middle, I agree with you, and Dembele on the right. I guess that makes the most sense. And you could see the, both, the, I mean, the best of all three. However, Ansu in the middle and Ferran on the left and Dembele on the right or Dembele on the left, like he plays for, yeah. for France. And then Ferran Torres on the right, like he does play for Luis Enrique sometimes for Spain and Ansu in the middle. That makes as much sense to me. And then for Memphis, he being fair and towards is interesting because he's actually more of a nine than Memphis. As much as we don't believe that he is more comfortable in that position at this point, I think even at 21, but Memphis could benefit greatly from having him. I think Memphis mm. needs someone to create space for him. You saw what the worst of Memphis could be. And if he's yeah. not getting not even distribution, but if he's not getting someone running off of him and Ferran Torres has this ability, I think for better or worse, where you'd say, what's his weakness? Well, I think his weakness is the fade in and out of games where I want to mm. warn Kool-Aid. There are going to be moments where you're going to like, why didn't Ferran Torres, where is he in this game? Why is he not affecting this game? But then he'll pop up and score a goal. Or maybe he yeah. won't, and somebody else ha will have to. And you're like, well, what was he doing? Well, the answer is he's creating space for everyone else. That is, again, he's an elite runner. That is the positive. It's what you're getting. But yeah, I think that he and Memphis could benefit one another a lot. And as far as that that four-man, we'll say, I think there's the six attackers, if you will, where there is Ansu, Dembele, Ferran Torres, of course, and then you have... Memphis, Brothwaite when he returns shortly. And I, I mean, as much, no disrespect to Zoukla or Elash Akomash, who I think are still going to be with Barca B. Uh, it's certainly Ab Easy Abde, who has proved himself to be a first-team yeah. player, right? So I think of that six rotation, I mean, the health of Ansu, the health of Dembele, I mean, even with Brothwaite coming back and Memphis still out for a few weeks to a month, I mean, it's not like Barcelona had been healthy enough not to, for us to say, oh, you know, that somebody's going to be left out in the cold. I don't think anyone's going to be left out in the cold this year because of the number of competitions now with Copa del Rey and Europa League, as well as the Spanish Super Cup coming in the next few weeks as well. So I think guys are all going to get their minutes and all going to get their time. And, you know, we're really just talking about this hypothetical in the Europa mm -hmm. League final against Borussia Dortmund, who's your starting three. And I think you and I both agree about mm -hmm. both the three that we can see but again that's all just on paper yeah yeah um one thing that i will add is Ferran also has the ability to go inside and out that's what kind of makes him work both on the left and on the right sometimes you have players who prefer to go one side and ballet kind of falls into that category but Ferran, i haven't really noticed that with him i think louis Enrique in the euros we saw him playing all across the front line left right is popping up in all those positions, which kind of makes him, which kind of defines his versatility, is what I'd say. And also with Memphis, yeah, you, you, you spot on with that point. Memphis needs runners. Memphis pulls players towards him. And ideally, you'd want two runners kind of exploiting that space. And with um, Fern and Ansu, Memphis has got that. So as much as people like to think that this is a threat to Memphis, I think that it's probably going to do him a world of good in the long run or even the short run. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of chopping and changing with the front three because now we have got profiles that complement each other and also profiles 
that could fill in for one another. You've got Abde and Mbele, who are very good one-we-one dribblers, who have the touchline a little bit, more so Abde than Mbele, but also Ferran and Ansu, who can score goals and run into spaces and be aggressive with their running. So these complementary profiles, in the long run, if you're going to win titles, is what makes a team. And um, again, I'm very happy that um, we finally have that balance in the front line. Yeah, I mean, I think talent matters and it increases the talent of your team. He's a, a, just a, a better player than Zhukla. And again, yeah. a very a 17-year-old Ilash Akomas, no disrespect. I mean, he also only played half of football. But I, I think another one of the, I guess, the final thing we'll end this Ferran Torres thing with is, I guess, a little bit of a downer where fans of La Liga and I, I'd say Valencian fans are bringing up the fact that it's interesting that while Pep Guardiola had him in his team, that I, I mean, I also, I throw out the idea very quickly that not being able to break in as a regular starter for Pep Guardiola's Man City team is not an indictment of the player because I think he's going to have a much larger role at Barcelona. That's why he wanted to move to Barcelona. And I think part of it too, of course, was Ferran Torres admitting that he wanted to return to Spain. And it does bring you back to his Valencia days where you might worry that 19-year-old, and uh, it was Kang and Lee at the time, too, that was lumped yeah. in with this, that neither of them had any relationship at all with Captain Danny Parejo at the time, who's now with Villarreal. Mm. But there seemed to be some issues there. And then I think people saying at 19 years old, he was being a little bratty in that mm. uh, he asked the Valencia, he wanted two of these three things. He wanted to be captain at the age of 20 years old at the time, or would have been 20 years old if he had been renewed again. Uh, he wanted to be one of the highest paid players of the club. And he wanted Peter Lim, the owner, to be involved in his contract negotiations. And he got zero of these, those three things. And he was also apparently told, now this one is the surprising one. He was told by the club at the Unite, when he was away at the U19 Euros, that he wasn't going to be an important player in the squad, even though his release clause had been up from 25 million euros to 100 million euros. So I'm not sure if that was maybe his agent a little bit sour grapes, just a bit. But certainly a relationship between Valencia, who was strapped for cash and absolutely needed to sell anybody they could. That's why people saying, oh, he was only 25 million from for Man City two years ago. And now for Barcelona, you have to pay 55 million. It's not because he's increased his market value by 30 million. It's that Valencia, I mean, they were completely shellacked in that deal because they had to sell players for any bit of money they could get. And he was their biggest prospect that they could part for, for the most money. And so Man City were able to lowball them in that way. And, and so I think Barca, I think he was more close, even at the time, I think he was worth 40 to 45 million. But Valencia had to accept 25. And for Barca, they're getting him for 55. So I think it's not too far on, being that he's now studied also under Guardiola and he's broken it under Luis Enrique. And I think that's, again, the biggest thing where... So it didn't work out at Valencia necessarily at the end in terms of behind the scenes stuff, but nothing has ever been said or written about in his character that doesn't say that at 21, he could fully fit into this unit, especially when Guardiola and Luis Enrique have both said very good things about his, his character. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree that those issues have been documented and the Spanish media in particular has spoken about it. Now, the thing is, we all know how badly run Valencia is at the moment, right? Obviously, that value wasn't his actual value. Valencia fans were absolutely gutted that they were selling him 25 million. I mean, he has players like Alex Evodi going for 40 million. So you can just imagine what his actual value was. Now, what I know for a fact is he would not have even started 10 games under Luis Enrique and Pep Guardiola had he had those kind of attitude issues, you know? So... What what I'd say is that from what I can see, young players, you rise to the occasion, your first season, maybe he was a bit over over his head. But 
again, it's all speculation for now. There's nothing set in stone. So we're going to have to see how it goes, but I really wouldn't kind of um, take those documents or those reports into too much consideration. What I do know is that he, I believe, has the highest goal ratio among Man City players or attackers um, in the past year. I think it was 0.55 goals per 90, which for, for a 20-year-old in his first season in the Premier League when he joined, right, is pretty impressive if you, if you ask me. You, you're looking at players like Lukaku and, and so many other big-time players have kind of struggled to um, give you that sort of return in the league like the Premier League. But then, according to me, for, for if you take um, all the additional factors into, into context, did very well in his first season for City. And even um, he started this season off scoring a hatchery against Newcastle, I think it was, right? Um, so I think his evolution and his um, development in particular has been very good if you if you take everything into account. Now that he's coming back to Spain, a place that is familiar in, you know, he knows the country, he knows the league, and he's already performed in the league, establishing himself as one of the best young Spanish prospects is going to only excel his growth and make him better, expedite the process that's already been quite fast. So I am interested to see how it goes. I think we'll know pretty quickly if there are any um, attitude issues that we need to be concerned about because I don't think Xavi um, will back down from from any challenge when it comes to players. So, yeah, to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, again, I wouldn't be too concerned of that. Uh, something that Guardiola would have snuffed out uh, almost already. Again, Luis Enrique would have snuffed out already. So, yeah, that's Ferran Torres. But for Ferran Torres to come in, then that will mean that their players, as I said, have to go out. That Barcelona have to, have to, have to, to get under FA, uh, FFP regulations. They have to get rid of players. Uh, and we know that Demir is definitely out, unfortunately. I mean, by the time uh, that this hits your ears, I mean, it's still December. So the January transfer window has not opened yet. But you can, we can almost assume that uh, Demir will be, I'm not even sure how he'll be sent out. Likely his loan move will be terminated. He'll be sent back to Rapid Vienna and Barcelona will not have paid. They'll pay the 10 million euros for the, or whatever it was, the 3 million that was for the loan itself, but they won't wind up playing, uh, paying the 10 million to make him a permanent player. So he won't be sold by FC Barcelona, but likely his loan would be terminated and then Rapid Vienna would go some. And I'm not sure how they would uh, even, again, undercut the amount that the loan was really paid for by Barcelona. Maybe it was even 150000 I don't know sure exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Demir is gone. That 11 shirt is likely going to go to Ferran Torres. But as far as salary, the club is going to try everything in their power to convince Coutinho and MTT to leave on loan, at least to clear up, you know, to clear up salary. Uh, that is, I'm not breaking any news. I have nothing for you there. <laughs> yeah, we've heard Coutinho <laughs> to Arsenal loan for three, four years. MTT either back to France or to Ferran Bace. Uh, yeah, Ferran Bace, who have saved Barcelona in the past with getting players. Mm-hmm. And the big question, though, I have for you, and the player that kind of in the last week has been spit out there as on his way out is Serginho Dest. And for long time yeah. on the podcast, you know that I'm a bit too American biased to speak about that. But I also think that with the club that keeps circling, and that is that is Bayern Munich for 30 million euros, for a 21-year-old Serginho Dest, who just turned 21 in the beginning of November, it just it feels too soon. Even if, uh, even if Nusser Mizrawi is coming from Ajax the other way on a free transfer in the summertime, it still feels too early for Dest even with Danny Alves around at 37, even with Oscar Mingueza. Um, I looked down at Barca B and those prospects, and there's nobody pushing on the door at right back. So unless there's a plan to eventually move Nico Gonzalez as a long-term right back, 
I, I just, yeah. I think it's too early to part with Dest. I think you still have another year or two. And if he really does lack that positional sense or, you know, that, that's really the, the mark, right? That Xavi has looked at him already and said, this guy does not have the defensive awareness to be a right back for me. He can't come into the middle like I want Danny Alves to do, like we're seeing Jordi Alba do, being an inverted midfielder as your fullback. If he doesn't have the ability to do that, that's being guessed because he's too much of a touchline winger or whatever, but he's not good enough to be on that winger depth chart. I mean, again, I get it, but I mean, I would loan Dest out. I, I, as much as Barca need to get off salary, I, I wouldn't sell him at this point. But I don't know. I mean, you walk me off the ledge a little bit. Hmm. Look, I have a very strong opinion on, on this kind of topic. Regarding Dest, you just can't sell him. Barcelona are building something. They, they're signing young players for the future. Now, young players take time to grow. Young players aren't going to be consistent. They're going to have their inconsistencies. You said that with Fran as well. Sometimes it disappears, as does Ansu. It happened. It's natural. It's going to happen with Pedri. It happened with Pedri, actually. It's going to happen with Gavi. It's going to happen with Nico. It should, at least. That's natural. That's a natural part of the game. I don't know any 19, 20, 21-year-old who has been consistently good from the day he walked in. It, that's not how it works. With Des, the talent is clearly there. I think that he is a Barcelona-type um, fullback. He attacks spaces. He's quick. He's skillful, good in the ball. Of course, they're forced this game, but nothing that is so detrimental that you sell him immediately. He's 21 years old, and there is a lot of room for improvement. That's a good thing. You know? you, you'd expect under a manager like Xavi, once the team continues to get better and grow, the players like Des, players like Gavi, players like Ansu, take that next step in their career. So for Des... I don't think that there would be any offer below of 50 million or something ridiculous that you can't say no to that I'd be like, yeah, okay, Barcelona should let him go now. Because even if Masrai comes in, even when we have Dani Alves, Dest can play on both flanks, on both um, flanks in the fullback position. Jordi Alba, as we know, can't play every game. He's had hamstring problems and tie problems all season long. Who's going to cover for him? We've seen Javi go to the three back and play midfielders, uh, four midfielders in sort of a narrow um, 3-2-2-3, which is a formation that we've been trying. But eventually, you're going to need that width from the fullback position. And now if Alba isn't available, I believe that Desk is the most adept player in the squad to play as a left-back as well. You could look at Balade, but to be honest, I think he's still a bit too raw. I'd like him to have a season with Barca B before actually throwing him um, into the big boys league. I think but it's for telling Des- for Balde, to throw in on Balde, I think it's telling that he, most of his minutes for the first team have been on the left wing. Actually, yeah. half of his minutes yeah. have been with Alba behind him as the left yeah. back, and then Balde in front as a left wing, just to get him minutes with the first team. Uh, and certainly, yeah. Yeah, I think Balde is still so, so, so raw. Remember, he is just 18 years old. Right. So you just got to wait on him. Yeah, and go back to your point, you can finalize it. But yeah, I'll just say that I do agree with you. Yeah. I think that I don't understand why Des wouldn't be the backup to, to, to Danny. I mean, I mean, to, to Jordi Alba. I mean, Alba, we've, seen, yeah. we've seen Mingetha be the backup at left back, and that is certainly not the answer. And so oh, if, yeah, if, yeah. if Xavi is actually looking for that, I mean, you could do a lot worse than 21 Sozino Des, who, again, if you play him at left back, that also increases his market value. Uh, that, that, that's yeah. I think, he's, I think he's been injured. I think that people are trying to, to believe that he's on the outs. When you look at the games that he has missed over the last month, he has not been right since October of this year. And Barcelona have not had the ability, whether it was Kuman, who really liked him, or Xavi, they have not had the luxury to sit these players out to let them heal. And I think 
they pushed Dest a little bit where you didn't really know how hurt he was. I think he's been a bit more injured, and I'm hoping when he comes back now, no, the things between the ears are still going to be a work in progress. He's still going to make those mistakes, but I, I think that he's going to be featuring a bit more because he's finally healthy. Yeah, I mean, with Dest, I was talking to one of my friends who is a huge Ajax fan and lives in Amsterdam and stuff, and before Dest signed for Barcelona, I remember him telling me that personally, I prefer Dest on the left side. I believe that he has been performing for us better on the left side. Now, I'm not sure that's completely true or completely agree with that, but he's definitely very, very competent to play on both flanks. And given that we don't have a replacement for Alba, I, I am kind of baffled that these rumors um, linking Dest out of the club are even, even there, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it would come down to numbers game where Xavi says, I don't have the resources in me as much as I'm creating this whole generation. He's just too far behind everybody else to get to where we need him to get to when we have to. And if Bayern Munich is going to throw 30 million and they want to invest in him, then we're just going to have to take the 30 million up front and worry about getting Jose Gaia from Valencia, which again, is not necessarily a step up from Jordi Alba. He can't, that being Gaia, he's the backup to Alba at the at the left back spot but as we said about Jordi Alba it's again just another credit to the 33 year old that when you look at oh who can you come in to replace Jordi Alba in world football I mean people are like oh Cancelo well Cancelo for Man City is right now the most informed right back, uh, left back in the world and he's even a converted right back very much like we're asking Sudino Dest to be uh, and that list of great great left backs in the world it dries up very very quickly and I don't, I mean, unless you're willing to pay 50 million euros for a fullback and take a chance mm-hmm. in that way, you're not going to get a quality fullback to actually replace Jordi Alba. So what you're asking for is who could do 60% to 80% of the Alba job and who could even be a placeholder until Barcelona can nail down the next big left back. And if that is Balde, he's going to need two or three years to, I mean, again, three years from now, he's still just 21 years old, which is the same age that Death yeah. So I just want to remind people that, that these timetables oh my gosh, these timetables, Pedri and Gabi and, and Ansu, they broke our brains. They, they, we forgot how old quality players have to be. And even Ferran Torres, who feels like he's been on our lives forever because he's been, he's was connected to Barca Humanel Ah when he was 16 and 17 years old. And that was five years ago. When, right when I almost, when I started this podcast was the first time you started to see those names pop, his name pop up related to Barcelona. It's, Real Madrid did the same thing. And still makes his move to Man City at 19, and he's still just 21 years old. So you just dial it back a little bit on these timelines for some of these players. And I just worry that the death thing, where it's one thing for Twitter to turn you, you know, when I, you and I on Twitter, you're even on Twitter more than me. So you know that it's one thing for Twitter to turn on you. But once the Catalan media and the Spanish media start to throw that stuff out there, that can be a death sentence for a player under the age of, we'll say, 23, 24, or even Andre Gomes. It was over for him, and he was 24 when he, yeah. right? When he was, I mean, didn't help yeah. me with Portuguese for the Catalan. Yeah, team. even um, look at Luca Dean. He he left Barcelona, and he was like, rubbish, not good enough. Look what he's going on to done for everything. He's been one of their best players consistently ever since he's Sure, joined. that's a great example, yeah. So, Dean, yeah, Dean yeah, would be a really helpful player yeah. right now. Yeah. I would take him back in a heartbeat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but the second, um, the second he shows up and doesn't display an Alba and is only getting <laughs> 15 matches in a season then yeah. everybody's out on him. Yeah. Look, I, again, I don't know why I'm referencing my tweet so much, but I tweet about this again. This is a very cliched saying in like the footballing world, growth isn't linear. And, but it's true. You can't expect every footballer to grow at the same rate. Not everyone is an Ansu or an Haaland or an Mbappe or a Gavi 
Look at Danny Alves. When he joined Barcelona, he was like 25, 26. So when you're looking at players like Dest and um, all of these other players in the squad, whether it's Fern or Dembele, whoever it is, even Frankie de Jong, we talk of him as a seasoned professional, but he is still so young and there's so much going to do for him. It takes time and it's a long process and they're learning on the job. Dest has come from Ajax and when we signed Dest, I think he barely played 20 Teddy games for Ajax officially. It was his first season in the club and you come in and you expect him to be this world beater right back turning into world-class pro like Alexander Arnold. That's just not going to happen. It requires time and we need to give these players that time. You can't go... Um, wanting them out after one or two bad games. That's just not going to work. If we're so impatient, I don't know if any signing or any young player coming through will get the time needed to properly develop and grow into the player that they can be. Yeah, I mean, and I continue to go to what we know of what Barcelona is, even with all these young players. What does a complete squad look like for FC Barcelona? We have not seen it. I go back to it that... I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm optimistic and I continue to be optimistic for January. Uh, however, unfortunately this January, the, the, we'll say the new year slate starts with a game on the road in the Balearic islands at Mallorca. Busquets and Gabri suspended. Pedri is still out. Ferran Torres and Danny Alves, who did by the way, test positive for COVID about an hour ago, Ooh. apparently won't be available until Not sure. uh, uh, Danny Alves, right? Danny, Danny Alves, Alves and Lengle both tested. Yeah. COVID positive. So Lang Lei is also in COVID protocols. He's out for this one. And then Danny Alves and Ferran Torres apparently won't be available until at least Copa del Rey against Linares, but apparently Ferran today, they said, wouldn't be available until mid-January against Real Madrid. And again, the registration period for the Liga doesn't even begin until January 3rd. So Danny Alves, even if he wasn't in COVID protocols, you know, this is all these caveats where even if he wasn't in COVID protocols, he still wouldn't play because of registration uh, limits. But unfortunately, I think the only good news, bad news would be Ansu against Mallorca, it's, he's a questionable at this point where it seems like they're leaning towards holding him out for it. But yeah, I mean, the COVID protocols are a worry, but right now it's again just Danny Alves and Lele that could change by tomorrow. But again, there's a full week to potentially have those issues. But who are you starting? We're probably going to talk Mallorca more on the second half of this show. But I mean, against Mallorca, what are you looking at here? As far as a team that's scrappy, you have yeah. a big forward in Fernino, and you've got a few other pieces. I mean, I really like Mallorca. I think they're a fun team in the league. I, I enjoy when they're in the top flight. Uh, people know that. They're American-owned as well. Not that that, mm. that matters too much. But uh, yeah, but Mallorca, I think they're a fun team. Balerica Islands is a fun place to play at Mallorca. But I mean, who's in your midfield? That's really what I'm asking. Barcelona midfield? Oh, against Mallorca with Busquets and Gabi out. Yeah, what's, I mean... Nico, and yeah, Frank, yeah, I'll help you out there. So, I'll, <laughs> I'll get started for Bisquets you. But. And, and Gabby are out, right? So you'd have to go with Nico, um, Frankie, and yeah, the third one's a bit of a you could play maybe a 4 2 3 1 in a double pivot, but then you don't have attackers up front. So I'd go with um, Nico, Gabby, I mean, Nico, Frankie, and let me think, Nico, Frankie. I mean, mm. I mean the, the poo stands want you to say it. <laughs> they, they're calling for it. Oh, but it's, um, it's, but is that, but that's okay. Big question about Ricky Pooch though. I mean, that's the moment, right? If you can't start Ricky yeah. next to Frankie and Nico against Mallorca. Yeah. You have to go with Pooch. I was, I was trying to think if there was someone else that I'm missing out on, but now that you say it, yeah, Pooch has to, he has to start that game to be honest. Um, and I think he should, right? Because, he, he did well in that friendly against um, Boca, was it? I thought he played well. Obviously, that's not a really good um, 
kind of indicator, but but Pooch could do well alongside Frankie Nico, two more physical type of players. I think that Pooch would have that freedom to kind of play in a more advanced role and left perhaps and and create a bit of opportunities that perhaps Frankie and um, uh, Nico wouldn't do sitting back trying to stop those counters because I imagine the Mallorca aren't going to be very attacking. I know they have played like Kubo, but Fernino is a big man, you know. I think that he'd probably be the lone um, striker up front and they're trying they try to get the ball yeah. to him somehow. So, yeah, I'd play Ricky Cooge alongside Nico and Frankie Dion. Yeah, Mallorca are in an interesting run of form. They, I mean, I think they've won one of the last 10, so they had a good start to the year, but it's been rough going since. And other than their main man, Danny Rodriguez, they certainly have been struggling to, I mean, really put a consistent amount of attack together on how Rodriguez is not the most mobile up top. I mean, you're really talking about as far as fear on the attack. Yeah. You're talking about Kangin Lee. You're talking about Jordi Mbula, the former Barcelona youth player who, you know, tried his hand at Mallorca, uh, Manor, uh, Monaco. There we go. And it didn't yeah. end up yeah. right. Uh, then the American Matthew Hoppy, and then uh, on how Rodriguez, the former Hadafe starting man, but 34 is not very mobile either, but, and they're also relying that being Mallorca on Salva Sevilla, who's 37 years old. Uh, and yeah, great player that loves Salva Sevilla. Yeah. Really gets around, really does well, but yeah, we might have a little more on Mallorca later on, uh, in the week, but for now, I think that'll wrap up this one with Neil. So Neil, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Neil Gardner underscore. Um, yeah, definitely look forward to talking to all you guys. It's been crazy these past couple of weeks. So, yeah, looking forward to talking to more people on Twitter at least. Well, give him a follow over there. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod or Hilton D13 for me, our close, our closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast. Answer the questions, I'll let you in. And then on Patreon, that's how we keep making these shows. Always, always appreciate that financial support as well. Also, that's where these shows lie without the ads. So a little incentive to support the show. And we're on YouTube with the match reviews for the Barcelona Podcast as well as some, again, video editions of these shows. As well as I do have some special stuff, including a Ferran Torres, you know, through the years and a little more visual than this conversation on the pod. So check us out there on YouTube. But that's it for this edition of the Barcelona podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca.